If the Nobel Peace Prize was given out to people who truly made the world a more peaceful place, one group would win every year. The United States military. The US Army, Air Force, Navy, and Marines. Now you may be thinking, how can you award a peace prize to a group whose purpose is to fight wars? Fair question. I'll tell you how. Because the reason we are free, the reason anyone on Earth today is free, is ultimately thanks to the US military. They saved the free world from German domination in the First World War. They saved the free world from Japanese and German fascism in the Second World War. They saved the free world from communism in the Cold War. And they're saving it now. That might sound like an exaggeration, but only because they have protected us for so long. National security, the protection of citizens from an external foe, is not a given. Far from it. It's the product of the hard work of American military men and women who stand guard 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, every year. Yes. And they've been doing so for as long as any of us can remember. The First World War, the Second World War, the Cold War, the Korean War, both Iraq wars, the Afghan war. These were all conflicts that the U.S. tried to avoid, but they were wars that the U.S. fought not only for itself, but for good, decent, and free people everywhere. Where the U.S. military was not ultimately victorious, the Vietnam War, 50 million people were deprived of freedom of speech, of assembly, of press, of travel, and of religion. As many as two million more were brutally imprisoned and murdered. The only reason South Korea isn't an open-air concentration camp like its northern neighbor is because America came to South Korea's defense nearly 70 years ago. To this day, we still have 30,000 troops stationed there to protect the free South from the unfree North. And it's not just the open conflicts the American military resolves. It's the not wars, all the conflicts that were never fought because our adversaries feared the consequences of American military involvement. Yes. Let's put it this way. The reason Iowa soybeans can be shipped from Seattle to Shanghai or coffee from Columbia to Cleveland is because the American military, specifically the Navy, stands guard over the world's shipping lanes. Block those lanes and the price of everything skyrockets and international commerce grinds to a halt. Like it or not, the U.S. military has been and remains as close to a global sheriff as exists on planet Earth. On the beat, keeping the peace. Don't believe me? Ask yourself this very simple question. What if China disarmed? Or Iran? Or North Korea? Or Russia? Think the world would be a better or worse place? Better. The question answers itself. Now imagine if America disarmed. Think China stays out of Taiwan or Hong Kong? Iran out of Israel? North Korea out of South Korea? Russia out of Eastern Europe? And those are just state actors. Islamists would quickly return bolder and more vicious than ever. In short, new conflicts would spring up and old ones reignite all over the world. Freedom would be in retreat every single day. That's the dystopian future of a world without the US military. And that's because across the globe for the last 100 years and more, the bad guys have been thwarted. Not only by the American military, of course, but in every major conflict, American military force has been decisive. That's why when you meet a veteran, someone who served in the armed forces, you should thank them. Yes. We have even set aside a special day for it, Veterans Day. 
Not Memorial Day, that's for those who lost their lives fighting for America and for freedom. Veterans Day is different. It's for all those who risked their lives so that we could keep ours. If that's not worthy of a thank you, what is? So this year, put out a flag, call a veteran, someone who honorably served in the US military, maybe your dad or mom or uncle or family friend, and thank them. Let them know that you know that you are in their debt. We have been in their debt for so long, it's easy to take what they did, what they risked and what they sacrificed for granted. We shouldn't. Veterans Day is meant to remind us. This year, don't forget. I'm Pete Hegseth, U.S. Army Major for Prager University. Say amen. amen. If you're a vet, would you please stand up? If you're served in the military at all, please stand with us. I want you to give them a hand, and I mean mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. So often these guys go unnoticed, and I'm going to tell you the biggest one was the Vietnam vet. It is not their fault. Our government did what it did. They lied. They took the support that we promised the, the Vietnamese and took it away. And these men came home as though they did something wrong. That is wrong. If you see a man who's a Vietnam vet, I want you to thank him and let him know that we appreciate everything these men have ever done. And the fact that they walked away from family, wife, and children and served is huge. So let's give them one more. Guys, thank you so much. You know, I, I, every time they ask me, I got a Bible around here somewhere. Every time they ask me, um, somebody go find it. Somebody, every time they ask me, was I in the military, I always have to stop and ask and think because I was born in Cherry Point, North Carolina. Does anybody in here know what Cherry Point, North Carolina is? It's a Marine Corps base. I had a corpsman smack my backside and bring me in the world. And then I had dress blues when I was five, and I was doing push-ups when I was five. Thank y'all. But I didn't serve because by the time the Vietnam War came around, I was already married with kids, and I thought, not quite sure I want to go get in that mess, and I did not. It wasn't that I was a coward. I just didn't think I wanted to get in the middle of that. And it was at the end of it anyway. But I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for our vets, and when I see one, and I see a guy in the military, it's a big deal. Now, I have a, we have a men's group called Band of Brothers. And if you were there yesterday, was that not fun? That was awesome. Uh, well, Brian came in and, and showed us some, um, now, how do you say it? I want to say, how do you call that style? Chisau. Now, what's it come from? Wing Chung. Wing Chong. Now, this guy's Chinese. Now, he's not allowed to tell you that because in Cambodia, if he'd have told him he was Chinese, they'd have taken his life, but he came out of communism. But let me tell you something. Thank God for our military, and so the Band of Brothers was named after that because men who do war together, they're closer than anybody else, and so it's a fraternity. 
when you're in the military, it's a big deal. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You ready for the word? Go to John 14. John chapter 14. Now we're going to crank it up today. And we're going to get into something really, really good. And I'm not sure I can do this in one Sunday, but we're going to... I have a prophetic message for this church and the church right now. And the Lord is showing me what he is doing in the church in America. And what he's doing in the world. And I want to start my reading. I don't want to jump way ahead of myself, but get ready. Fasten your seatbelts. We're going someplace today. Our best days as a church and as a nation are ahead. If you're a Christian. If you're not, oh well, change sides. John 14, starting with verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. That the Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Greek word there for ask is the word demand. Now, a lot of times people that are outside of the faith and word camp have a problem with our theology because they think we're bossing God around and we're not. We're demanding what belongs to us. When a policeman pulls you over, they are only enforcing the laws on the books. They're not creating laws. They don't have a right to create laws. As a church member, you don't have a right to create laws, but you can enforce what's on the book, and there are things you can, you can change. You can change them. You can demand them. You can tell them to move. You can, you can move them around. God needs you as much as you need him. Now, let's go back up and read this top part of this again. Surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he'll do also greater works than these because I go to my Father. I want to ask you a question is the church as a whole doing that? No, they're not. Do you know why the church is not doing that? They're chicken. They're also, they've also been taught from the pulpit wrong. Not here. We're going to show you how to go from a chicken to an eagle, or maybe from a lamb to a lion. So where is my, um, she didn't give me my lion. Where's my lion go? Oh, she didn't, she didn't give me my lion. My sermon's called, Until, lions, Until Lambs Become Lions. And I'm going to read something before I get started. I stole it off the Robin Hood movie, so don't, don't condemn me. And don't think less of me. But during the Robin Hood movie, Robin Hood had gone off, and this is the later one. They're always changing them because they got to kick it around a little bit, but it's the same story over and over. But when he was a boy, his father had a sword, and it had rise and rise again until lambs become lions. The other day I was in my room praying and the Lord brought this from a movie up to me. And I thought, well, that's strange. Rise and rise again until lambs become lions. That's not even a scripture in the Bible, God. 
That's a Robin Hood movie God. And after that, I began to think about that saying until I went and I, re- and I got a prophecy that was given to Greg Hood that Dutch Sheets uh, brought to the internet and had it on, on Facebook. And one night I watched it and then I downloaded what the Lord said about America today. Do y'all want to hear what he's doing? In a recent dream sent to me my, by my friend Greg Hood, he and I were at a lake shaped like America about to go fishing and an angel appeared and told us not to fish yet. He told us to travel to a certain place and partner with an assignment with two leaders, a charismatic Baptist pastor and a word of faith teacher prophet, the word of faith prophet that he said was Kenneth Copeland. So they traveled in the dream to meet with these two guys. In the dream, I traveled on Radosh Airlines out of gate 12. And when we arrived, one of the waiting leaders said, this is serious, we've got to hurry. And he walked into a field containing thousands of creatures who were lying down. They were unusual beings with the body of a sheep and the head of a lion. He informed us that they were a rare breed of sheep that were bred so that at a certain age, they would metamorphose into a lion. Now, you might think that's strange. When I read this, immediately I said to the Lord, now, you know I'm not going to take a prophecy that we can't back up with Scripture. I don't care what Dutch sheets saw. I don't care what prophet saw this. Where is this in the Bible? He took me, the Lord then, after he gave me the thing when lambs become lions, then he took me to this, and then he asked me a question, and you don't need to go there, but put it on the screen, John 1.29. Put John 1.29 up on the screen. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when Jesus was born in the earth, the Bible called him a lamb. All right, now let's look at one more scripture. You know where we're going. Revelation 5, 5. One of the elders said, don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, prevailed to open the scroll and loose the seals. When did he change? When did he change? At the cross. Now listen, and I say this in Bible school, and I'm going to say it to you. There's a thing you need to learn called the fulcrum of time. A fulcrum is a point that never moves for eternity. That's what you and I, now I'm talking to older people now. Now all of us older people, you remember seesaws? The younger people, they don't know anything about this stuff. A seesaw is one of those things that you put a skinny kid on the one end and a heavy kid on the other, but the heavy kid had to move closer until the kids could do this. And and we had playground equipment that they don't use anymore because it was unsafe. Now, now just for the sake of the older people to bring you back into memory, you remember that thing we'd get on and run and run and run and spin and spin until you were drunk? And we all did. We fell off. We did fall off. And we didn't die. We didn't die. 
And then you all remember swing sets. Anybody remember swing sets? How many of you jumped out of them? You actually, woo, in the sky and landed on your feet. We didn't die, and I didn't have a helmet on my, I crashed my bicycle a hundred times. I don't think I ever knocked myself out. Maybe that's what's wrong with me now. I don't know, but... But you know, I mean, nowadays if they had a seesaw, they'd put a seat belt on it and a helmet on it and they'd have to weigh you and measure you and, and then they'd have to get you a permit to sit on it, you know. But, but anyway, so back in the days we had seesaws, but the middle of it was called a fulcrum. A fulcrum is, a, is something that never, 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 never moves. There's a point in time that never, never, never moves. That's the moment Jesus was born again down in hell and rose from the dead. And everything from that point on changed. We were servants, now we're sons. We were forgiven, now we're redeemed. It was old covenant, now it's new covenant. The blood of a lamb, now the blood of the Son of God. Everything changed at the fulcrum of time. What happened to the Lord Jesus Christ when he died on the cross? He rose from the dead a lion. Someone said, well, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah who's returning to the earth. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah right now. He's right now the tribe of Judah. All right, now what are you going to do with the Scripture as he is, so am I in the world? Are you a lamb or are you a what? God is taking his church from lambhood to lionhood. Now listen, why would he do that? Because he's got, see, now listen, I'm getting way ahead of myself. God took David from the sheepfold to a warrior and to a king. God is taking you from the sheepfold to a warrior and to a king. Kings rule and reign. Now, one of the things that's been happening in the church for the last 200 years is we've been talked to like we're dumb sheep. A sheep is dumb. Oh, don't get me wrong. Sheep are dumb. A sheep falls in the water, he drowns. You ever seen a movie called Kung Fu Sheep? You never will. A sheep is the most helpless creature on the planet. Why did God call you a sheep? Because when you were a sinner, you couldn't even get yourself out of bed in the morning. I mean, the wool would kill you unless someone sheared it. You'd get bugs on your face and the bugs will kill a sheep if a shepherd does not pour oil over their head. The bugs alone will get in their nose and kill them. Without a shepherd, a sheep's life is not very long. But now, wait a minute, are we supposed to stay helpless sheep? Come on, guys, help me out a minute. Are we supposed, no, we are not. What has happened in the church? And I'm going to get on a pet peeve of mine right here. Don't get mad at me. Years and years and years, we've turned the church into the man of God here is anointed. Hallelujah. And you bunch of morons come in, uh and I will lay my anointed hands on you, uh and lay and pray for you bunch of moron idiots, little stupid little sheepies, and I'll help you out, but you come and bring your tithes and offerings in the hand, I'm going to lay my hands on you. And we come in, oh, Pastor Darrell Morgan, God hates that. My job is to teach you who you are. My job is to get you off the milk. My job is to get you away from being a meh sheep 
and turn you in to a son of God. That has not been being done in the American church. And in the last election, it showed up. I mean, we, law, I mean, we were looking for another man. No, I'm not against Trump. But one man no, can't fix the swamp. What, what needed to happen? The church needed to get up off her hallelujah and start to roar. Now, I watched a video the other day. I'm going to get back to my little thing here in a minute. I watched a video the other day where a woman was in a school board meeting, and I thought she was going to whip someone. Now, I'm going to tell you something. What happened up in Virginia, you can do a lot of things, but man, I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't you ever lay your hands on a woman's child. She will forget she's a Democrat or a Republican, and she will climb up over the bench and rip your eyeballs out your head. You leave her kids alone. And our government decided they want to put their hands on mama's kids. And mama said, we ain't waiting on the pastor. We ain't waiting on the church. And we ain't waiting on no politician. By God, you get your hands off my kids. And I mean, the women were like, ah. And I'm going, yeah. Now, if you get your husbands on board with you. I ain't picking on the men. I'm just, just not every husband, but some, some, some. So is this prophecy true? I think it is. I believe that this is God. And I think it's so far from what we've been taught that we're sheep, 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 that it sounds strange to our ears to hear this. So when I went to God and he showed it to me in the Bible, I went, that's in there. How, how do you handle, um, put on the whole armor of God if you're a sheep, that's not sheep clothing. Right, let me finish reading this. Is this good? Is y'all enjoying this? Yeah, I'm doing a better job than y'all amen but anyway. Okay. He said to me, they have been stuck in this form since November 2020. They should be lions by now, but they're dying. We're going to lose, lose them all if we can't get them through the process. So what are we going to do? I said we're going to have to get them to their feet. Lions must be on their feet. And I declared, clients to your feet. And immediately angels appeared and assisted the sheep lion to their feet. And once they stood, I decreed, wind of God, blow on these lions and bring them into the power of their true identity. Say, I am a lion. Now let's go back to that scripture. As he is, is that true or not? It is true. As he is, so are you in the earth. Now, in a minute, we're going to get into the difference between boldness and arrogance. They're not the same. It's time for the church to become bold. That means you're going to open your mouth. You're going to say some things. You're going to get vocal now. Because we are a nation of the people, by the people, for the people. And we are not of the government, by the government, and for the government of the United States. They only have the power we give them. And as long as we're quiet, we're giving them more power than they deserve. And they work for us, and somebody needs to remind them of that. Now, somebody's going to say, well, where, where, what side of the bed did you get out of? Well, what side did you get out of? At least I woke up. 
As soon as I decreed this, uh, uh, decreed this, a wind began to blow and blew the wool of the sheep in a way that we could see underneath it. As it happened, we could see thousands of ticks, politics, <laughs> attached to each sheep. These ticks were hindering them from morphing into a lion. One of the leaders says, I have what we need. And he pulled a bag of horn from the oil and gave it to a different leader who brought it to his lips and began to blow oil from the horn. The wind of oil blew it all over the entire pride covering the lion's sheep. This wind-blown oil killed and removed all of the ticks. As it happened, the sheep bodies began to morph into the bodies of a lion. It was rather quick. During this time, another leader was singing 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty over them. I don't know what that is. I think it was Copeland. And as he did, a deafening roar arose from the lions that literally shook the ground do y'all know what God's doing in America he's waking up his church now I can't go through this without telling on Lisa now you know she's going to be up here preaching one day real soon and I'm probably going to catch it I won't be here but I have to tell you the story of Lisa and the lion now she doesn't mind because I've done it before and um and it doesn't matter whether I get lunch today or not I have a keto meal and I'm going to cook it so I'm all right but one day when Lisa and I were dating, we went to the Sanford Zoo. Now, Lisa used to be a little bit feisty. And when we got there, there's a sign, do not throw anything at the lions. Now, Lisa didn't think ice was anything, since eventually it would melt. And there's a very stately lion, about four feet, sitting right inside the cage. And he's just sitting there looking very stately. And he didn't even blink, he didn't move. And that bothered Lisa. And she said, I want to hear him roar. So she reached in her little cup, and she pulled out a cling of ice, and she took careful aim, and she chunked it right and hit him in the nose. You know what that lion did? Nothing. He just sat there. And Lisa looks around and gets another piece of ice. Pop. Nothing. And Lisa reached in the cup, and he went, Ha! And Lisa was beside me. <laughs> and I noticed that the rapture had taken place or she had moved. And I didn't see her jump, but she moved back there real fast. And that lion, so help me God, went <laughs> big grin on his face. And I looked at him and I said, you rock, dude. I, I'm telling you, that's a true story, isn't it? That is true. There's something about that. Everybody in the forest knows what that means. Every devil in hell knows the sound of. He doesn't know whether it's Jesus or you, but he knows the sound. And I'm going to tell you, God is changing his church from a to a if we don't, we're in trouble. But we're not in trouble because whatever God started, he will finish it. He is not leaving this planet without giving Satan the what for. Now, let me change subject here a minute. Let me, get into, let me get into Jewish history a little bit. Middle East. Satan is fighting for his life. 
And he knows he's got to take Jerusalem and own it to keep Jesus from returning. Do you think he will be successful? He thinks he will be. Does that show you just how stupid pride is? That did not work the last time you tried to keep him down. That didn't work real well. But that's why he will come down in Ezekiel 38 war to take Jerusalem. It'll not be a war of bombs because they don't want to destroy the food and the oil. They'll come physically. And when you see it, now I'm going to get way, way ahead of myself. Are you all ready? Do you know what a Shemitah is? Shemitah, Jewish time is divided up since Moses into seven years, period years, seven, 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 seven. Everything God ever has done and ever will do is divided into a Shemitah, into seven year spans, everything. He has never one time gotten off his calendar. Never. So you say, well, the rapture could take place today. No, it can't. It can't. You see, God has a timetable. We went through the, the spring feast at, at, at Calvary. The, the fall feast, all three of them have never been fulfilled. They are yet in the future. Will they be on a timetable? Yes. The rapture will take place on a Shemitah year. Does anybody know when the, uh, the last seven-year span it took place? September 21 to September 22. If it's going to happen, it'll happen in one year from right now, nine, eight months, nine months. If it does, then there will be an Ezekiel war that will break out. Okay. If it does not happen, it will not happen again for seven more years. And if it doesn't happen this September, you go home and you mark your calendar. And you can tell them I told you. Okay? I don't have time to get into the how I know that I know that I know that. Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years from 2029. 2029 is a Shemitah year. Something is going to happen 2029. Now, the Jewish rabbis who are born again say that in 2030, the millennial reign will be going full bore. I don't know if that's true or not. But now, listen, say it's close. We have work to do. I believe, personally, that we have another seven years. I believe we do. But I don't think we have anything past that. I think it's time to get busy. And I think it's time for the church to wake up. Now, do we need politicians in place? Yeah, we, we need all the room we can get to get the gospel out. We don't need the devil controlling us. But do I think they're the, that we're going back to the way it was? You will never go back to the way it was. Don't get mad at me. If you want freedom, you have freedom in Jesus. You get your, get your faith out of Washington, D.C., and you get it back on the Lord. Because even if Trump gets in, and I, I, I believe he will, I, if he doesn't, let's get his wife in there. I mean, that wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome? Everybody always wanted a female president? Good Lord, Trump's wife, that'd be sweet, wouldn't it? Well, we all know who would be behind the scenes having a look. You know, okay, all right. 
Is this too much for y'all? Is this, all right, I know y'all enjoy some of this, but I do a lot of studying more than y'all think. Because I don't believe that he's hiding the date from us. He said we wouldn't know the day or the hour. He did not say we wouldn't know the season. Because if you look at a Jewish calendar, he always operates on a Jewish calendar. And he's never done anything outside of it, not one moment. Jesus wasn't randomly born. He didn't randomly die and randomly rise from the dead at an unprecedented moment. Was dead on the money. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. God always does stuff on Jewish holidays. Will the rapture take place when the trumpet sounds? Now, here's, this, here's why we don't know the day or the hour. Y'all want to know? Because in Jewish time, they had a day called the non-day or the day that didn't exist because they had to light fires when they saw after the moon shone, they lit fires because in 15 days would be the Jewish holiday, I think Rosh Hashanah, right? Or it was Yom Kippur, I don't know which one, in 15 days. But yet because they lit fires, people, the, 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 the information traveled slow. So Jesus made a reference to we don't know the day because we're going to have to be watching for the fire and listening for the trumpet. All right, now here's one more. Here's one more. Can I blow your minds a little bit? Just blow your minds. How, how is it we don't know the hour? Well, that's simple. Is it the same hour all over the earth right now? But will he return on a certain day? Yes. That means that at the point that that day is the day all over the earth will be the point the rapture takes place. Everyone will go up the same day, but not the same hour. So if you're in Australia, you're not going up the same hour we are. Come on, y'all. Does anybody think other than me? I mean, I actually read my Bible and go, I want to know about this. I mean, I'm like inquisitive as all get out. Okay. I have such a, I want to know everything. <laughs> That's called a busybody, but I just own the Bible, not you. But say it soon. It's soon, guys. I mean, I'm like going, yeah. I mean, we're going to see people we hadn't seen in a long time. The other day I did Marilyn Zagorski's funeral. How many of y'all did not know she passed away? How many of y'all knew her? You did not know she died. Went to the hospital for a checkup. Never came home. Mm. Mm. A surgery. But there was complications. So you get a phone call and I get a letter in there in my office says, if you're reading this, I'm in heaven. Please do my funeral. Well, you know, you see a person one day and boom, they're gone. But is that a big deal? Because she's only missed the rapture by a few years. I'm not saying that that's good. I'm just saying... Now, if you're 18 years of age and you missed your whole life, that's a big deal. But, you know, once you get to a certain age, you know, I have, I've got, I've got family over there. I've, my first wife and I had a child that I never met. 
Just think about this. I'm going to be walking to heaven. You're going, Daddy. And I'm going, oh, boy. This is. And then Justin's going to go there. Who those kids is this? I mean, that's, that's your brother you ain't never met. Let me introduce you to brother. And it's going to be fun. Did y'all, do y'all ever think about this stuff? I do. I mean, I think sometimes we're too ingrained here. Well, anyway, I've got to read this. Y'all are looking at me like a bunch of sheep. There's so many politics all over y'all. Many of the lionesses were pregnant immediately began giving birth. They gave birth to sheep. The sheep, however, quickly began turning to lions. The young lions began to roar. Also, the other leaders kept singing. At this continued for a while, the lions began making their way to the tarmac where they got on airplanes, and they raised the voice and said, release the sheep, release the lions, release the lions. Okay, get your Bibles out. Now, let's go to another scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're going to go through some scriptures now to back up what I'm saying. But we all with an unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. There it is. We, we would say metamorphosed. I mean, a, a worm turns into a butterfly. Why can't a, a, lion, a lamb turn into a lion? Jesus did. Jesus did. Right? All right. It's symbolic. Into the same image. Say same image. As who? As Jesus, say, from glory to glory to glory to glory. All right, let's go over David for a minute. I don't have time to get in to just show you a bunch of scriptures. When David left the sheepfold, he was a little shepherd boy taking care of sheep. And a prophet shows up and anoints him with oil. Now, he went back to the sheepfold to be a good shepherd boy, but the anointing was changing him so that when he got to the battle to carry the cheese and crackers to his brothers, cheese and something, I forgot what it was, cheese and bread to his brothers, then he had a big fit over Goliath. Who is this guy? And why is he running his mouth down there? Now, something has changed in David that's making him very different than everyone else. God is turning him from a shepherd to a what? A warrior. Have you ever read in Ephesians? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you will stand against the wiles of the devil. What about we wrestle not with flesh and blood? Are you in a wrestling match? Are you in a fight? Good fight, the good fight of faith. As a born again Christian, one of the things the church has not heard, you are in a fight. It's not the time to lay down. Let me talk about the military for a minute. There's a reason they take you to boot camp. There's a reason they give you a gun. There's a reason they teach you to shoot. They're going to send you somewhere where you're going to need that weapon. Did you know why you have church? Because we're going to talk about the sword of the spirit. We're going to talk about praying in tongues. We're going to talk about the shield of faith. We're going to talk about a breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because God is sending you someplace that without the armor, you're not going to make it. You're not going to do real good. And it's going to be a fight, and you're in a war. We're in a fight. We're in a big fight right now in the United States, but it's a fight we win because greater is he that is inside of us than he that is in the world and if Jesus conquered death hell and the grave Christ inside of you can conquer anything they throw at us say oh. that sounds good doesn't it 
Man, it's time for the church to, you know, to quit whining and whining and whining. And again, somebody pray for me. Somebody pray for me. Pray for yourself. <laughs> then when you get through learning how to pray for yourself, now get out there and pray for someone else. You big baby, come on. Is that too strong? Too bad. I'm, I'm not taking it back. Now, this scripture says, the works I do, you'll do also. Well, this isn't happening. It will happen. You're going to see it happen. God is up there in heaven. He will finish the work he started in us. He, we're leaving with a bang. We're not leaving defeated. I mean, they left Egypt with a bang. I mean, they took all their money and left. <laughs> Our best days are ahead. Um, 1 Samuel 17. Go there. And, and I'm going to show you, <laughs> this is exciting. I'm having fun whether you are or not. So just let me have a revival right now. Just let me have a move of God and you watch me. First Samuel 17, 50. Cool scripture. I've never preached on it, but I've always known it was there. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed Goliath and cut off his head. What do you think he did with that sword? He kept it. We never hear David using slingshot again. Now, there's a place for having being a one scripture Christian, those days are over. You see, once, once, you ha once you have your Glock and someone lays an AR down, put your Glock up and grab the AR and the ammo. You have a better weapon now than you had. David went from slingshot to sword. See, we were supposed to advance in our faith. We're supposed to advance, and we're going to get in here one day, and I'm going to talk to you about the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm not going to tell you when. And I want to teach you how to interpret your own tongues. It's time for you to know how to get an answer from God by speaking in tongues and get your own answer from heaven. And then I'll teach you how to do it in church without tearing the church up. But you're going to have to let me teach you. I mean, we have all the gifts of spirit operating here if you'll work with me. Uh, if you hijack my service, we'll have the ushers haul you out. We're not in here to beef you up and make you look good. We're here to bring, beef him up and make him look good. Anyway, that's another subject. I'm not going to do that right yet. But we see David went. Okay. 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 First Samuel 22. Turn the page. Two pages. Now, David we know is a type of Jesus. But what about the church? What ha did the church morph? Did it did advance? I'm going to read a scripture to you. It's so cool. First Samuel 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. And when his brothers and his father's house heard it, they went down there. Everyone who was in distress, everyone in debt, and everyone discontented gathered to him. You, that is the most motley crew of broke losers in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. That's David's men. 
Is there anyone else who had a motley crew? Hookers, prostitutes, liars. What was Matthew? A tax collector. That's Antifa. That's a traitor. That's communist. He was a communist. The sons of thunder, James and John, were hiding in the bushes overthrowing the Roman government by attacking their rear flanks. When Jesus found them, they, they, they were a, well, what do you call the, the group of men who run around with all their little armor and they're just little and they hide in the bushes and they're ready for the next war? What are they? Guerrilla warfare. I mean, John, James and John, John who became the apostle of love, was a terrorist. And Jesus, now every rabbi in Israel who picked disciples went to, to, the, to the, the, got the smartest, best kids in school. Jesus didn't. He went down to the wharf, got a stinking fisherman. And Mary Magdalene, do we even need to talk about it? Drug her out from under a Pharisee having sex with her and wanted to know if she wanted to be a disciple. Are you crazy? I mean, read your Bible sometime. And, and you know what? Looking around this church, it looks like he's still doing it. <laughs> Me, I, yeah, I am one of them. I am one of them. So Jesus has got the most motley crew, but what did he do? Whenever later it says after he rose from the dead, that says that, that, that James and John were ignorant and unlearned men, and they took note. These guys have been running around with Jesus. Now let's go over, let's go over to another scripture now, and let's see what happened to them. <laughs> 2 Samuel 23, next book over. Next book to the right, 23, verse 8. Now, after they ran around with Jesus, they all changed mightily. Say, me too. He who began a good work in you shall complete it. Come on. He who began, he who began a good work in me shall complete it. When? This side of heaven, guys. Is he going to complete? You bet. Now, now, you understand that God always saves the best until last. Turn to someone and say, we the best. That is good preaching. You were strategically born for this time. God goes, no, don't you send Daryl down yet. We're going to save him for the last. And he said, just send John the Baptist, but save that Morgan guy. I need him. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Didn't Jesus say, the least in the kingdom is greater than Old Testament prophets? You're greater than Moses and Elijah. That's good preaching. You see, the problem is we don't know who we are. Well, you're going to learn who you are. You walk in our doors. You're going to walk out and look at someone and go, ah. 
Remind me of the bulldog of Tennessee. <sighs> Why'd y'all go quiet? <laughs> I ain't wearing my hat again until they beat Alabama. And I'm going to be over there eating Willis's wings in his living room. Because I want to be there. He wants me to be there. Tell him I want my steak medium rare. No, I just, it, 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 don't, don't, don't get so hung up on the world that you don't have some fun every once in a while. We were designed by God to win. If you don't like to win, at the end of the meeting today, please come forward. We will get you saved. I'm being serious. You know what a second place is? First loser. I don't believe in second place. <laughs> I should lay my hands on y'all. Fire! These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph Bathesheth, the Tachadite. I went down there. Let me read one of them. Verse 20. Benaniah was the son of Jehudiah, the son of a valiant man of Kezbel, who had done many deeds. He killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. And when he went down, he killed a lion in the pit. Now, now what an attitude. The lion is in a pit. He is not bothering anybody. And he decided to get in the pit and kill it. Amen. That, I want to meet him. That is a mamba jamba right there. That is a, forget the Navy SEALs. That's a bad dude. Went looking for a lion. I mean, I would have just been, well, he's in the pit, he'll die, you know. I, I don't think I'd have got in there. I mean, he was already going to die of hunger, but I mean, just to get down there and fight the thing? Never mind, y'all. Do you ever think about just find a sinner? I think I'm going to get you saved. Uh, I have all kinds of stories. If y'all don't want to straighten up, I'm going to start telling them. One day I'm riding, I go to work, and, and our boss said, I need you three guys to go to Melbourne and lay some concrete block. And one of the guys that owned the pickup truck said, Morgan, sit in the middle. We're going to stop at the beer joint. Do you want a beer? I said, I'll take a dad's. And they were laughing. They went. So they got in the truck with their beer and said, do you understand that you're riding all the way to Melbourne between two heathen? I said, yes. I said, do you realize we're riding all the way to Melbourne, sandwich between the tongue-talking devil-chasing holy roller, and you're going to hear about Jesus for two straight hours? And they looked at me and went, oh, H. I'm not intimidated by you being a sinner. This is a perfect opportunity for me to talk about. You, what, what are you going to do? Leave? I started preaching in the city jail. I never had anybody leave. Real ego boost. Acts 4. 
It is good preaching. Say our best days are ahead of us. This right here, and I'm talking to the prayer group, is going to need to become a word of life prayer. I want you to listen to what they prayed in the book of Acts. Verse 22, being let go, they went to their own company, reported everything the chief priests and elders said. And when they heard it, they raised their voice to God and said, Lord, your God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them by the mouth of your servant David said, why do the nations rage and people plot vain things? Does that sound like a newspaper? And the kings of the earth have taken their stand and rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ and against his church. Are you out of your mind? Verse 27, truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Biden or Brandon and George Soros, with all the rest of the left and the people of, of, of the world have gathered to do whatever your hand purposed. Now, Lord, grant, look on their threats and grant to us your servants that with all boldness, say boldness, that we would speak your word by stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders to be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Holy Ghost and spoke the word with what? Boldness. Now what's he doing? He has changed them into his own image. They said they have taken note. These men have been with Jesus. I'm going to tell you that before Jesus returns, they're going to know you're saved. I mean, they get around you, they're going to go, uh-oh, you're one of them. You better believe I'm one of them. You know, when I went to Raymond, we had a guy named Jim Zirkel. Jim Zirkel graduated, went to Guatemala, started an organ, started a ministry in Quetzaltenango. Do you know what happened to Guatemala after he landed? They got a Christian president, and the whole nation was evangelized. How many? How many people is Jim? One. Did you know there's a revival going on in Brazil right now? Does anybody here from Brazil know about this? You know what started it? One rhema God. They have 300 Bible schools now. One man. I'm going to tell you something. When God wants something done, he'll place you in the middle of hell. And it won't be hell no more. I wrote on my timeline that if you put a pig in a palace, it'll turn it into a dump. But if you put a king in a dump, he'll turn it into a palace. Everywhere you go, will turn into the kingdom of God. Everywhere you go, there will be healings. Everywhere you go, there will be salvations. Everywhere you go, people will be set free. Everything you touch to will prosper. Everywhere you go, everything you do from this day forward, you are a change agent in the earth today. God said, I placed you in the earth at this time. I have placed you in the earth at this time. You will change this nation to the nation I want it to be. And God will be glorified before we get out of here. Jesus is Lord. Now it's time the church, what you were just doing then was roaring. And don't you think every devil in hell didn't hear it? See, when we gather like this and you go, ha! Every devil in hell goes, uh oh. 
They are afraid of you. Imagine what Satan is thinking when he's going, there's almost 200 of them over there. There's only 120 in the upper room. They changed the whole world. <laughs> I'm excited. There's a prayer at the end. I'm going to pray it over us. I'm going to pray it over this church. I believe since the day I took this church, let me back up a minute. When I got born again, the Spirit of God began to deal with me that he was raising me up to be a last day prophet in the earth. And when he placed me here, I asked him, he said, the Apopka is a city on a hill. It is a strategic piece of ground. God don't do stuff by asking. You know, if you talk to men in the military, they will tell you there's a piece of ground and whoever owns it wins the battle. That's true with um, the, the revolutionary, no, the Civil War. What was that little round top? Whoever held little round top was going to win the war. That was very important. Apopka is very important to God. This was the county seat for all of Central Florida at one time. This was the head of the Indian nation right here. You were not brought here by accident. God strategically brought you in this church. You are a part of a last day move of God. That has already begun. I'm excited. You can say it. You can close your eyes and leave them open. I don't care. I'm going to pray. Father, I refuse to allow hope deferred and discontentment to cripple the growth of your people from their true identity. The army you intended us to be, yes, we're your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. But we also were commanded to grow into a mighty ecclesia. We're to move in the authority of the Lion King Jesus and release the roar. You said that we would roar out of Zion in Joel 3.16. We declare over the body of Christ as you instructed us in the dream. Lions to your feet. Rise up from confusion. Shake off discontent. Trade weariness for the strength that he promised you in Isaiah 40.31. Holy Spirit, we ask you now blow on your people. Deliver them from the draining of life and strength and pour oil on us, killing and removing all hope-sucking, life-sucking ticks out of our life. Father, bring the body of Christ together, together now to release what is needed to accomplish this, especially our leaders. I ask you to birth the harvest. Bring in the evangelist, bold, faith-filled, spirit-empowered evangelist to cover this nation and do this in other nations as well. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. and amen. Everybody say amen. amen. Today is a prophetic sermon. God has given you a heads up on what he's doing in the earth. You, I'm not bragging on us, but you're not going to hear this in a lot of places, folks. If you want to know what he's doing, this is what he's doing right here. And I'm going to tell you something. There's churches all over America right now that are rising up and they're done. People are tired of it. And when you see it, they're not in rebellion. They're roaring. You're going to hear roaring in the prayer group. 
You're going to hear roaring on Sunday morning. You're going to hear roaring from the bedrooms of your houses as you begin to pray and go. You get your hands off my kids. You get your hands off my family. You get your hands off my body. You get your hands off of me. Jesus says, these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. He said, what I do, you will do also. That's not, that is 100% guaranteed. You will do it. You may not know you're anointed, but you are. Now, I'm going to tell you one more story real quick. Lisa and I were someplace one day. Was it a lion or a tiger? It was a lion. And it was a little lion. And we were at another zoo, not the one where Lisa ticked off the big lion. And the little lion roared, and he heard his own voice echoing off the wall, and it scared him. He thought a lion was after him. He went, oh, and it went, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he ducked, and he looked behind him, and he went, oh, that was me. I want to hear you roar and go, that was me. I mean, there is a guy in there. I mean, the greater one is on the inside of me. I want you to roar so loud, I want you to scare yourself. <laughs> Are you ready to take this? Anyway, y'all, I got to go deer hunting. So I'm, I'll be leaving soon. Praise the Lord. Y'all have a good day. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. If I can have our altar workers come up, one on either side of me. If you're here today and you need prayer, we want to pray for you. We up here did not put anything in the crock pot this morning. We want to spend time with you. We want to pray for you, with you. If you do not know Jesus, you do not want to leave these doors without knowing Jesus. Amen. The book of Acts says there's no other name under heaven whereby we can be saved. Well, that's pretty narrow. Well, the Bible says that wide is the way, broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets up there to the Father unless he comes through me. Amen. That is just the way that it is. Amen. And you need to be bold enough to tell that to the Jehovah Witness that comes to your door. Praise the Lord or anybody else. So if you're here this morning and you don't ever remember a time where you said, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. You want to do it this morning because you are not guaranteed your very next day. You're not guaranteed your next breath. I'll wait till I'm old. I'll wait till that just before that seven year Shemitah is up. No, you don't want to do that because there is a devil out there, Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He likes to kill, steal, and destroy. He don't care who it is, what it is. Amen. So you come up here, you say, Jesus, thank you for the blood. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you for washing me in the blood. You come up. If you're with someone that you're not sure if they're not born again or not, you bring them up with you. Amen. Be a friend to them. Start here. This would be a, you know, a great place to start being a friend. Amen. Walk in love. If you want prayer for any other reason, come on up here. Get prayer. We love you. There is no church service tonight and no leadership next week. Amen. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. 
from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.